Welcome to Direct to Audio, a movie discussions podcast. My name is Spencer, and happy Friday the 13th, and happy birthday to Jamie. <laughs> Who's that guy? Yeah, well, it's that guy who just spoke, because this will be coming out on your birthday, and I gave you a wonderful gift. Morgan is here as well. That's not your gift. But I Morgan am is gift. Here. <laughs> yeah. As, uh, as I had to cut out like 20 minutes of Jamie going on and on about how you guys met and your love story before the yep. bracket. No, Morgan, you're great. We're glad to have you both back on the podcast, and... It was a couple weeks ago, we all got dinner, and you guys were talking about how you wanted more movies to watch and something to do, but I suggested a franchise that we've discussed in the podcast many times, and a franchise that I think every listener knows I'm a humongous fan of, Friday the 13th. You both had not seen a single Friday the 13th movie at all, Not a single one. I thought there was just one. Yeah. (laughs) And there are 12 listeners. Technically, I will just say right now... You both only watched 11. Well, Morgan, you watched like 11 and a half. I didn't have you guys watch Freddy vs. Jason for a couple of reasons. One, we kind of ran out of time. And then two, you both hadn't seen Nightmare on Elm Street, so I felt like it didn't really make sense to watch it. But this is going to be a new type of episode on the podcast where we're going to kind of call it like my first time. And <laughs> where, the YouTube tag. Right, exactly. <laughs> But so I want to just quickly point out that Max Baker, one of the uh, mainstays on the podcast, did come up with this idea. He is not the first episode, so he might be mad. But he was telling me how we should do an episode where we watched movies that were very popular that one of us had not seen before, and then kind of give our thoughts with fresh eyes. So you guys are my guinea pigs. Thanks. But also, awesome. again, I do want to say how much I love Friday the 13th. I have my whole box set right here. I'm wearing my Friday the 13th uh, final chapter tie-dye shirt. I have my Funko of Jason. This household loves Jason Voorhees and the silliness that that slasher brings. It was my first horror movie that I ever watched, Friday, uh, Friday the 13th Part 2. I remember seeing that and watching the wheelchair kill. And that's what I told you guys <laughs> yeah. about. And I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts real quick because, again, but it is one of those series, I think in horror culture and kind of some movies in general, that it's it's widely known. When you say Friday the 13th, people kind of know, oh, I know about it. So... Kind of where were your guys' thoughts at once you your first go-through? I really enjoyed watching all the movies, um, like, just kind of as an overall. I have some gripes with some individual movies within the series. Um, you know, slasher movies are, uh, you know, naturally going to, to involve some corniness, so it kind of goes with, goes with the territory, so it doesn't really bother me all that much. I, I will say, like, I was actually pleasantly surprised with the the first movie in how it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, um, okay. Because as somebody who watches the movie movie for the first time and has knowledge of the pop culture figure that Jason Voorhees is, you just sort of assume mm-hmm. that Jason Voorhees is going to be a big main character in the first movie, uh, the movie in which he is associated with, and that's not the case. And uh, I think that kind of that kind of set it off for me, where it's like that kind of had me hooked because. I was like, if every single movie is going to be exactly the same, this is going to be a long 12 movies. And, <laughs> and it was. Yeah. In other, in other ways. It made up for it in other ways. But at least I wasn't bored mm-hmm. for most of the time. <laughs> and I think that is a very good point. I, kind of, I want to touch up on a couple of things that you said, and then I'll get your opinion, Morgan, on that too. I do think that this series is long, and it does get repetitive because when it is a slasher movie, you have the same formula. When they created this movie, I told you about this when we went to a baseball game that got rained out. The series literally got created because Halloween was the biggest movie 
for its time. Low budget, based around a day, slasher goes around killing kids. And they literally put a ad in the paper saying, the scariest movie you've ever seen had the Friday the 13th name. They had no plot, no anything built, no director, no script, nothing. So they were just banking on like, maybe we can make this work. And then they came up with this weird script. And it does follow that same formula for a solid four movies in a row. Um, <laughs> and then it really strays away from it in five, which I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts. Six is my favorite. I brought that up a lot, but that's where it kind of starts to lean into the movie being goofy. It gets a little muddy in those later ones because they kind of lose everything in their luster. But you made a really good point that you're never going to be bored because there's always something ridiculous happening. And I think the series has never shied away from making its kills very extraordinary. Jason has the highest body count of any serial killer in any movie ever. Um, good and for th- him. Yeah, and but and if I think. Okay, but in a sense, though, if you're watching a slasher, you're going for the kills. And I know my favorite YouTube channel and my favorite podcast, Dead Meat, who covers all these things. They have a series dedicated to how many kills per movie there are and like how creative they get. And I think Jason is the best in both those because you get a lot of kills and they're always unique and different, which I think is fun. So you're never going to be bored. If you're, I told you with Jason X, just turn your brain off. I did. Right, and you should have a good fun time because you're like, this is so stupid. It was awesome. Right. Now, Morgan, I mentioned because I feel like, kind of based on your vibes from texting and talking to you, that you had a bit of a different experience with this franchise. Initially, I came in and I had had absolutely no idea what to expect because I knew absolutely nothing about this. I knew Friday the 13th was spooky. That's it. You don't want that. I knew there was a guy with a hockey mask. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> no, but but that but that's a really good point though. I think people some people just know oh Friday thirteenth like it's the day of like don't it's a spooky day. But I mean, has that always been the case, or is it once the movie is made? That's I think that's an interesting point. Because I, I it was to the point where I got him and Freddy Krueger mixed up. Like I was expecting this to happen in suburbia, mm-hmm. not on a camp. Also, there was the whole thing where it's like, okay, you're going to Haunted Hayride, Halloween, everyone's running around in with chainsaws. Mm-hmm. When does this man ever once use a chainsaw? He doesn't. It's the characters who are being murdered who are using it. So I'm confused where that came from. Um, what is that? That's called the Mandela, uh, effect. The Mandela effect. Yeah, and that's, thank oh. you for bringing that up. And that's what is really beautiful. And I, I, I honestly, I love that you said that. Because that is a lot of people's perception about this character. And there are so many moments in history. I think of one of my my favorite shows is The Simpsons. And there's a very famous moment where Bart is scared of Sideshow Bob. Couldn't come and kill him. And Homer bursts in the room and goes, Bart, do you want to check out my new chainsaw and hockey mask? And it's like, oh, it's Friday the 13th. But I told you both, there's only one kill where he actually uses a power tool. And it's like a, a hedge clipper. Mm-hmm. Like, they mix together... Leatherface with the chainsaw, uh, Jason Voorhees, and it creates this, yeah, that wonderful Mandela effect where it's like, oh, I swear he's done, never done that. I see a lot of that on the internet, people saying that, but it was cool to see that you actually, you know, had that perception and that was kind of proved as a fallacy, which I think is kind of fun. But where else were your thoughts on the series? I don't know, I just, so the whole slasher, I guess you could say trope, or just, you know, that continuing, this is what the plot was laid out as in the first one so this is what we're going to continue to have it be i just i lose interest in series like that like after you got past one or two two was like oh okay funny they're you know part two and then there's three and then four and then (laughs) and then it goes down yeah (laughs) but that's fair i think 
that is again when you look at history and i've discussed this in the history of slasher episode slasher movies had a really i think a lot of people think slasher movies had like this like 10 to 20 year span it was like six years it was from 1978 when halloween came out and like really kicked it off and then 1984 is when it kind of just died out because how much can you possibly do and there are hundreds of thousands of movies that replicate get someone getting chased and getting murdered because it's cheap it's easy to make and at the end of the day you can always the thought of being followed and stalked and killed is kind of inherently scary to everyone but again if you're making a movie how do you make it interesting and i see your point where i told you guys like hope you liked one because you're going to get it three more times (laughs) and technically four because you get it again with the remake Mm -hmm. so i can see why you would get bored with and I think that's why it tries to change up as best it can. But how how much can you change up besides literally going to space? Man in mass kills people. Have you ever seen Hush? Yes. That I think is a really good example of the I'm hiding and running from a killer in a mask. It just took a whole new way that I've never seen that, and that's one of the first like actual psychological thrillers I had ever seen, and it stuck with me. I'm still terribly afraid of that mm-hmm. movie. But it took a different approach to that. That's why I was kind of like, I don't say bummed out. But, and it's this mentality also of the Marvel movies and super movies and we're kind of in this era now. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. These movies cost little to nothing to make and they make back so much money. And is it more compelling when there's an actual story? Like I think a Scream. But that was a huge risk. Is it more interesting to make a movie that's actually compelling? Sure. Do I have the time, energy, and capabilities and the studio backing to do it? Not always the case. That's true. And that's, I think, as the fun, like, going all the way back, that's why I love movies and studying movies in general, is, like, how do you make a film and take those risks but also make sure it's successful? Do you sacrifice one for the other? It's the beauty of film. I'm interested to see your guys' thoughts as we go through this because I feel like I have two very differing opinions on one couch. I did a little bit of research on the on the franchise that there was a point in which they stopped making as much money off of their investment. Mm-hmm. They were still making a lot of money, relatively speaking. It's part like, six is the one where it right. finally starts to go downhill. Um, but that's the kind of the turning point of when the movies start to get unique because it, they had to do something mm-hmm. different. They had to get people's butts in the chairs. And again, that's um, the funny thing that we just talked about where it's like you, they get boring and you like when they take chances, but then as soon as they take chances... They fail. In the bo- so it's again, it's that thought of like, what do we do? Hmm. And I think it's so unique. Cause you, I, you put him on a boat and say you went to Manhattan. Even well, that's Vancouver. That's a whole budgetary issue in itself. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get to that shit show. Um, and at the end, I do want to ask you guys it, what your favorites were and what your least favorite was. I think they might come out as we talk about the movies. But I'm interested to hear your perspective. So we'll get into this series as a whole. And it all started off. With the trivia question you both would have also gotten wrong if you were playing the trivia game in Scream when the killer on the phone starts off by asking her who was the killer in Friday the 13th and she screams Jason. He says wrong. It was his mother. But Friday the 13th comes out in 1980. It has a silent killer stalking around a bunch of camp counselors. Get used to hearing that phrase. We see Kevin Bacon die. We see a random man get stabbed in the gut off screen. And we see... Pamela Voorhees taking up the killer mantra in this because her son Jason drowned. They should have been watching him. (laughs) In that awesome monologue, Betsy Palmer crushes it. But this is the one I think a lot of people skip over because of the reasons you guys both said. 
Jason's not in it. So what were your thoughts on this with kind of fresh eyes and where's what do you guys think about this one? I liked the subversion of my expectations. I think with horror movies in general, if you can predict every single move, whether it's, you know, when you're going to get scared, um, when somebody's going to die, it's not as effective. And, and maybe on reviewing, like if I were to rewatch the first one, maybe it wouldn't be, I guess, as impactful for me just because I know what's coming. But because it was my first time watching the series, I didn't really mind the fact that, you know, Jason Voorhees, the, the character that makes this series famous, I'd say, wasn't in it. I was pleasantly surprised by the fact that it was the mom who was killing her yeah. buddy. It's one of the ones I rewatched the least, because if I'm going to watch that movie, I'm going to watch the second one. Because mm-hmm. it's very similar but I get to see my boy back at Jason. And it actually has it has some really great scares because we watched that one together. Yeah. But Morgan, what were your thoughts on part one? I did enjoy that I had no idea what to expect coming in. So it was absolutely just there was a blank slate. I was confused why I was not seeing a killer the entire time. But that's what made the transition from the first to the second for me easier. Because, you know, one, two, three, all the same movie essentially. But I didn't mind from one to two as much because there's no Jason really in the first one. We got yeah. his backstory, but the the mom twist at the end definitely got me. So I was pleasantly surprised at that. Now, kills in this one, because I feel like, again, this series is really known for its kills. This one's kind of tame, but we're also really early into the slasher kind of genre. We do get the famous Tom Savini um, made kill where Kevin Bacon gets stabbed through the neck what were your guys' thoughts on, like, the horror elements of this one? Because this one's, it's kind of scary, but it's not, like, I don't, like you said with Hush, it's not like a really scary film. It's just, okay, after a while, just watch out, don't take that turn and get killed by this random person who's the camera. Um, I would say, really, there wasn't a point within watching, and this is not just the first one, but most most of the movies within the series, there wasn't really a point that I was, like, feeling like scared until really like the last movie just because that one was made with modern with modern techniques and like it can be more effective with like its sound design and whatever (laughs) um but i'd say like for the first one i i felt like it was you know it was definitely more like more tame on like the you know like both like on the kill side but also even within like the the horror side i didn't really feel like i was super scared at all i think i was more just curious as to like maybe this person isn't jason and i was really like waiting for there to be kind of that reveal of whoever this you know crazed maniac was that was crazy Um, ralph the whole time well at at a certain point i thought it might have been but but uh didn't he die in that movie he dies in the second one i love that you guys got attached to crazy ralph and we're upset when he died Um, I will say, and I want to talk this real quick, I think one of the great things about this series is that you do get attached to some of these characters. I think there are a lot of just, like, basically meatbags, where they're just people that are there to get killed, and that's it. But I think within that, you do get characters that you kind of get attached to. And a lot of times you guys would go, oh, I guess she's not the main character. I guess he's not the main character. <laughs> which kind of shows that, like, you didn't really know what to expect, which is fun for me because I know watching these films who the main character is, who the final girl is. So it's interesting to see through different eyes. Morgan, though. Because you guys, you are a little jumpier. 
with horror movies. 100%. Yes. Just jumpier in general, honestly. The only part that scared me from the first one is when she's in the boat. At the end, I'm like, oh, it's all done now. Like, the police are going to come. Like, she's good to go. Like, wow, she lived. Like, okay, we're winding down now. And then this little boy corpse jumps out of the lake. I screamed (laughs) and and jumped. You are the reason why the filmmakers did that trope, like, seven more times. (laughs) It it is a it is one of the most iconic jump scares, I think in in horror movie history because it is so random, and that kid looks gnarly. Were you scared at all during this, or kind of were you just like were you just waiting for Jason? I was like, just adjusting to the whole slasher film thing yeah. the entire time because I'd never really seen like a traditional slasher film. I've only seen like the more recent ones like Hush, and even that is like I yeah that technically saw that qualifies this yeah that I don't know if that technically qualifies as like a traditional slasher but that yeah, that's but I'm you guys saw scream yeah. which is i think is is probably the closest to this uh, that you have seen have you seen have either of you seen halloween no nope all right well that's on the list too <laughs> that is one of the best horror movies just in general for for people who have those better be in order my friend they are it, and <laughs> i'm i'm uh Currently uh, handling very fancy his box most prized possession. I have a lightsaber right next to it, um, but yes. <laughs> he would choose this box over many human beings. Anyway. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> um, for people who are on a movie podcast, not only one time, but a second time, we have seen a surprisingly low number of movies. <laughs> but, but that... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, but I think that's fun, though, because... I always say, like, and I know a lot of people would agree with this, like, how it would feel to go back and watch it for the mm. first time through fresh eyes. Like, I would love to go watch the thing for the first time again. Yeah. Like, and have truly no idea what's happening. So, to be able to see a movie for the first time, I feel like it's such a unique experience. Like, I mean, we, we all, like, I saw the Batman. I got to watch you both see the Batman with fresh eyes, and I love seeing people's reactions because, in a sense, I can see myself live vicariously through your guys' eyes. So hearing you guys talk about this and see these movies, I'm like, oh, you need to watch these movies. You've never, you've never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I truly cannot wait for you guys to experience <laughs> one of my favorite movie characters of all time, Nancy Thompson, for the first time. Like, it's it's moments that I think about, and like I go back going, oh my god, I remember when I was 13 and I put on Nightmare on Elm Street and like was scared shitless and it's it's cool to be but i'm sure there are listeners here that go oh yeah i remember when i first saw scream or the big lebowski or gremlins 2 and they had very <laughs> similar mentalities i remember the first time i saw that movie right but it's fun to be able to like think about those kind of things and you guys are now going on a journey that a lot of people listening have already done and i'm not using you guys for that but it's fun to be able to have people on who have not experienced the box set of friday the 13th like everyone i know has so <laughs> Yeah, don't feel like you're ashamed or anything. You're just you're, you're. I think a lot of people are going to kind of be jealous. They go, "Oh, okay, cool. You get. To, I get to hear about what you guys thought about it." So that's why I thought it was cool to bring you all on here. But so we've kind of touched up a lot on Friday Thirteenth Part One. Is there any other notes that you can think of about the movie that you want to touch up on? I will say Harry Manfredini's score. You get that for the first time. Mm. A lot of the sharp string instruments. I loved the score. I, I'd say when it when it comes to my movie watching experience, I think if if the if a movie has a bad score or a generic score. It makes the overall movie a, a less rem- yeah. memorable experience. That's so the score stuck with you the whole time, or how do you think it kind of went as the series went on? Well, I know it was in my head for like the day and a half after I watched the movie, and honestly, uh, I was hoping that it would make a return in the remake. 
because mm-hmm. kind of like Star Wars style where, you know, John Williams. John Williams is there the entire way. doesn't matter what year it is. <laughs> but that's not what we got. Probably one of my main disappointments with that one. But that just kind of goes to show you how much the in the first film that was that was uh, one of my main takeaways and how much I appreciated that score. But we're going to move on to the one where Jason finally shows up. We have part two. Baghead Jason's running around. We have Jenny and Paul... Uh, and we have the wheelchair-bound Mark, Hunky Mark, who has my favorite kill, or one of my favorite kills in the series. It's easily top five for me. Are you okay? I'm fine. I was just <laughs> sad remembering him tumbling down the stairs back. Oh, it's one of the funniest scenes I've ever watched. That's the first death I was so sad about. Right. But, but, the, but you finally got connected to a character that you're watching. That couple, I think it was the first couple in the series that I didn't want to push off a bridge. I, I thought everybody else was pretty pretty much genuinely annoying, including Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Um, oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, okay, I know he's probably going to die, but just not not right now. How about you make him one of like the last Fine, people to go because I want to spend more time with this guy. He's pretty nice. I just I want to hear about his day. Instead, they <laughs> decide to, I mean... Make your favorite kill in probably in the entire series, but... It's up there. But, like, I don't know. I, I needed some more of, of, of Mark in my life, and, and they, they robbed me of it, so... Well, I will say what's funny is, I again, I remember vividly watching this. as my first horror movie I've ever seen, and re, we rewound that kill because it was the moment of the movie where we all kind of had, like, a moment of brevity where we kind of laughed a little bit because it is so abrupt, and then seeing him go down the stairs backwards... <laughs> Is such and then z- crash zoom and flash cut into two people having sex, is the <laughs> funniest sequence that you can possibly. Come- Someone had to storyboard to such a unique and goofy kill. But I think it's also interesting that you got connected to. Was it sympathy? Do you feel like, or do you feel like you generally liked his character? I just liked him. I thought he he's was a nice like. Guy. I thought that's what I was gonna say. To sum yeah. up, he's just a nice dude. He was just, he was, he was nice. He didn't say things that caused me pain because, you know, it was of the time and there were some very questionable dialogue elements and I felt like, you know, the dudes just were like not very respectful and I thought that the the girls were just not very, I don't know, thoughtful and it was just like kind of both, both edges of the sword and then you had somebody who was like genuinely likable because they seemed to be thoughtful and they seemed to be respectful and like. He gets his face slashed in. <laughs> but I think that, but the, that's also the point of the film is like, yep, you know, no matter what you do, and I think you start to get more and more of those characters as the series goes on. That sometimes the people you're like, oh my god, this person just needs to go, and you're actively rooting for those people to get killed in the movies, which is kind of like a weird, like that's what horror films kind of like. You start to weirdly be like, oh, like I think of psychologist in the carry one, <laughs> but that, but that's what I'm saying. Like you kind of go in that room, like I oh, cheered when he died. Exactly, and then you also think of the 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 horrible boyfriend in the new one, the who like cheating on his girlfriend, like having sex and being like a horrible guy. Mm. Also cheered when he died. But but that's the one of the fun things about the series and slash movies. You kind of go, oh well, how are they going to kill that guy or that person? And then, but you also have that paired with like, oh man. I don't want to see this person go because they've truly just like, they're a wrong place, wrong time. So this one, it shocked me because I thought that the main character, Alice, right, from mm-hmm. the first one, I thought she was like, oh, she is our main character. Through Throughout multiple these series, movies, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
she is the main character. She's the one who's going to make it every single time. Like, let's see how she managed to... Like, like Jamie Lee Curtis for, style. Yeah. Yeah, how does she manage to do it this time? No, she's dead within the first five minutes. I'm like, what What? What happens now? With our amazing pad the runtime dream sequence that recaps the entire first oh movie. Oh my god, I forgot that happened <laughs> yeah, in the I, first, what, three? Yeah, they do it in the first five. Oh, the first five. good. I blocked all those memories out. You know what else What else they did? They they had in their title sequence the explosion. The explosion. The explosion. Yes. Uh, honestly, best part of the series. I I love me a good title, uh, good title, title sequence. Card, <laughs> yeah, as t- Dead Meat says the title card is the best. My favorite is coming up next uh, because I danced on this couch when it happened. You get the sweet disco music. <laughs> um, and I said I told them at every Halloween party I ever have. <laughs> The Harry Manfredini Disco Part 3 opening score is always on the playlist because it genuinely bumps. Um, (laughs) But I feel like, okay, I will say I feel like this one slightly is scarier because you do start to see a little bit of Jason. And then when you do, you genuinely get some good shots. Like I think of the shot when Jenny is in the house and she's hiding and you look through the window and see Jason like charging at the house with the bag trying to get in. And then you have the scare that got both of you yes. when he crashes through the window. And they also show more of the kills. You see the double uh, kill, the bifurcation as it's called, when they take when he takes a spear and stabs it through them. I think they play a little bit more with like the actual scares in this one. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel? I don't know. I don't know if we can go into favorites right now. We can. But spoiler alert, part two is my favorite one. Yeah, it's um, up there for me too. What really sealed the deal for me was when we end up at Jason's, I don't know if you could really even call it house. It's his, it's his uh, cap. Basically his hidey hole. Yeah. You see his shrine um, to his mom's decomposing head. Yeah. And all the candles and all the bodies and body parts just sort of strewn about. That, to me, was just kind of like solidifying that, you know, he's... Because he evolves over the series. He becomes a zombie, basically, by the end. Yeah. But it's like, at this point, he is full, like, crazed maniac. You know, like, he is completely... Like, he is human, because he's doing very human things, like, being sentimental about something. But his priorities are so out of whack that he decides, I'm going to pay homage to my dead mother and show her that I'm getting revenge on all these people by creating this temple to death. She was actively trying to get out and outsmart Jason in this. So that's why I thought that this worked for me. I'm also just a sucker for a hero anyways. So this one, I really enjoyed this one. I feel like Jenny is actively throughout the film like trying to talk about why Jason's doing this and how you could help him and how he's a lost boy out there. Any last minute comments on this one? Jamie, you did say this is your favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Morgan... You don't have to spoil it if it's in your top three, but do you have any like feelings that this one's like, one of the better ones in your opinion? Because it's up there for me. This is definitely top three for myself. This is definitely, it's. I would dare say, my top two. Mm-hmm. It's because I really enjoyed Jenny's story. Her being a child psychologist, I mean, I'm more inclined to enjoy the psychological aspect of things just because that's who I am. I prefer that whole mind game as opposed to just seeing the action if there's something yeah. going on underneath that. This part was so unique. That end sequence where she's in his little, what do you call it, a hidey hole? His little hidey hut. Hole. I thought that was very unique and stood out throughout the entire series. Yeah. So that's why it's in my top two. But we then go on to 
Friday the 13th in 3D because we have to capitalize on horrible 3D technology so much so that they had to film multiple sequences twice. We get one of the fan least favorite characters in the entire series with Shelly, the simp douchebag who like <laughs> wants this girl to like him, who plays pranks that he's dead all the time. And then finally gets his boy who cried wolf moment by getting his throat slit. You're looking like you're confused. He was the guy with the afro. And I was like playing back in my mind. I'm like, what happened in three? So <laughs> I was the one with the mask. Part three is where Jason gets oh, his mask. Yeah. Shelly wears his mask as a prank. Jason kills him and then Rightfully takes the mask. So. Yes. Uh, and then from that moment on, Jason is always on screen when he's doing his kills. This one is very forgettable because they've done the same trope three times. They have added 3D. And I told you guys, if you want to play a fun drinking game, drink every time there's a really bad 3D effect. There's yo-yos. There's popcorn. There is a guy putting a pole into the screen, a wallet toss into the screen. There's a juggling sequence that goes on for far too long. Definitely forgettable uh, because I did, in fact, have to look up the plot of this one on Wikipedia. This one, this one I was really straining to remember. I will say one of my favorite kills in the entire series happened in this one when, when Jason harpoons the girl... Right. Uh, uh, yeah. And then saunters off, as you said, um, and that that was genuinely funny. And that and I think like the portrayal of Jason in in this movie, I think was probably one of the, the highlights for a moment like that. As if this movie wasn't going to age uh, horribly anyway, because I mean, uh, unfortunately, like if you're if you are the the third movie in a series that you know essentially has the same plot, it's like you're gonna you know, not be able to get away with as many things that date the movie. Um, as if it wasn't going to do that already, it aged like milk, I'd say, uh, with the the 3D uh, shots. I, I mean, it, it, it doesn't even, it, it kind of defies any sort of explanation. It's it, it's kind of like, how did these filmmakers not have the foresight to, to think, hey, this movie's going to be rewatched eventually, uh, you don't care about that like, when you're making movies in the 80s. You just make 3D because you're going to make money. Think of Jaws 3D. There are so many random horror movies that do that. They were not thinking about rewatchability at this time. They were thinking about money and money now. Morgan, you literally forgot the plot. You can crack it. I literally don't remember what happened in this movie. I now remember the Afro guy. I was immediately turned off by how obnoxious he was. It mm-hmm. actually kind of upset me. Which, I mean, I guess made his character effective, so I'll give them that. But I was just... I don't remember what happened in this movie at all. I remember they all die, but that goes for all of these movies. He gets his mask. That's cool. That's all I remember. There is the great 3D effect where he squeezes uh, her love interest's head and his eyeball pops out of the camera where Morgan said, Ew! We were watching it together. Sounds about right. And remember that? my favorite acting in the series where the little girl is going up and down the stairs going, Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! One. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like basically Trolls 2. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. Was this the one where the girl was pregnant? Yes. For like five minutes? Yes, it is. Yeah. she wasn't? Um, this does have one of the other coolest kills where the guy is doing a handstand and Jason brings his machete down in this dude's crotch. Oh. The shower. The shower. But we get a yeah. much better shower scene in the next movie. We're going to go to it right now because this is generally one of the better movies in the franchise because they decided they wanted to kill off Jason in the shirt I'm wearing. The final chapter, which was meant to be mm-hmm. the end of the franchise. 
Tom Savini came back behind the makeup because he said, if anyone's going to kill my creation, it's going to be me. Words he actually said. And he came back to the franchise to kill Jason. And kill Jason he does. We get the epic Tommy Jarvis, who is the main character for the next three films, then dropped like a bad fucking habit for no reason, who hits him in the face, Jason's face, slides down the machete with some excellent animatronics and looks, and then he gets the shit chopped out of him. And we kill off one of the most iconic characters of all time in this one. Where are you guys at with what I think is probably one of the most brutal movies in the series? Because the kills they do in this one are definitely more graphic than anything we got. In boobs. Boobies. This one is the, one of the horniest of the series. All, <laughs> but they're not camp counselors. All they want to do is, like most of the characters, just want, are there to have sex. I loved that Tommy... It ended with Tommy. I'm going right to the end on this one because that's oh, what stuck out to me the most. Tommy is one of the best yes. and fan favorite, played by Corey Feldman, iconic 80s actors. Uh, before he did anything else, this is before Goonies, this is before Gremlins. This is kind of where his career kicks off. And then I asked, "Oh my God, is Tommy Jason now?" Well, you get that twist. You get that twist twice because at the end of this movie. Where he stares directly into the camera. Yeah, I was like, wait. And then the next movie where he puts the mask on. I know. That's the, that's the part I was like, oh, this series is actually going to get good. It's not going to be the same thing over and over and I'm, over I'm again. very interested to see your parts on, uh, thoughts on part five. Because I, I think a lot of fans think that this is where the franchise, weirdly enough, had a jumping off point. Because it's supposed to be the end. But it's kind of the beginning of when the franchise starts to take risks. I think you can look at the next, all of the movies that you see... Where they took a lot of risks. And killing off your staple character is huge. I know. I that's When he actually killed him, I'm like, oh, he's just going to like get up again, I guess, right now. Nope. He's actually deceased. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are they going to do this time? How are they going to resolve this this time? And then, you know, it goes into the next one. And yeah. that sent me. Yeah. But I, I really did enjoy this one. This is probably, if I had to rank them, this is probably three. Okay. Uh, what what else stood out to you with this one besides Tommy Jarvis, the character, and then the actual, like, subversion and them killing off Jason? The fact that they deviated away from the camp counselor theme for a hot second there. I was like, thank you, Lord. At least it's a family in the woods now. What did you guys think about the the man who was in this, who is, like, talking to the uh, Jarvis family, being the, I don't know if you guys even noticed this, he is the brother of the girl who gets bifurcated in the second movie. And he's looking for his sister the whole time. They do that again in the 2009 re- one. Yes. I didn't even I, They barely touch up on it. Yeah, so after rewatches, you pick it up. I like the inclusion of an element like that because it makes the movie seem a little bit less like a video game that you can just reset and then nobody knows anybody who died. It's like the, it's like this is supposed to, supposed to be a small community. Like, they, they kind of allude to the impact that it has, but, like, when you have people looking for their deceased loved ones or missing loved ones, you're kind of like, oh, my God. Like, this is a real place, and there are real consequences to all the violence that's happening. So I liked that inclusion. I thought that the relationship between Trish and Tommy was probably the most compelling, like, like bond between any characters in, probably in the series. Um, and I thought that... that the, the end of this movie with Tommy just like absolutely wailing on on Jason was a pretty satisfying satisfying end. 
I think it is the perfect end to that character. Like, if you're going to kill off the human Jason, mm-hmm. it has to be in the most brutal way possible. And what I think I love about this is that we had seen, and this is a fun point that I'm thinking about. Throughout the movie, we see how brutal Jason is. Like I said, we watch him take a dude's face, the best shower kill, and he crushes his face, and you watch his palm go through this dude's face into the wall of the shower. And you see the brutality of him kill the girl who's holding the banana, and she like squeezes the banana, and she dies, who's just meant to be there to just die, I guess. But you <laughs> see his brutality. Jason's the only kill that's pretty much off screen. So you're meant to just kind of in your head be like, we've seen the brutality. This kid's dropping his machete 20 times. What the fuck is Jason looking like right now? And it's meant to kind of be like, holy shit. Like the horror is everything you can do in your mind. of being like, I've seen a dude's face get smashed to nothing. What is off screen right now? I think it's a really cool idea to kind of, they explore that a little bit. I'm just glad it was a kid who took him out. I thought that was very fitting because it circled around stupid ditzy teens the entire time. And it's like, oh, the kid took actual action. I felt like he had like a realistic reaction in that setting. If you were defending yourself against someone who has been torturing you and your family and you've been just being, seeing dead bodies left and right. The overkill I thought was fitting. And we've talked about this before. That we talked about this in the bracket episode. I know. I knew you were going to bring yep. it up. How if you're, oh, double tap the killer. It's hard for a regular person to be able to push themselves to the point of, okay, I'm going to literally kill someone. Regardless of what they've done, the idea of being able to push yourself to being able to, the, to go to the final step is a, is a mental block. That's where it's interesting where Tommy is goes to that point because he's a young child who... I guess just doesn't see that. And then we see the progression of his character for the next two movies, where the consequences are for that. Um, this is the last good movie for, uh, maybe, well, I don't know. I guess, I mean, six, six is fine in my opinion, I guess. So we'll it's get like, there and I'll explain it's why. It's one of the movie. last, one of the last good ones, quote unquote, in like the traditional sense. I think that for other reasons, some of the other movies are good because of just how, downright insane they are so. yeah but I, but I think that's a very good point is that this is not only killing off the character jason but the trope that we've seen in the past and now from then on jason's going to be a zombie like he is now we are going into full-blown monster territory which makes sense because if you're going to bring back a killer you can't have it be a normal film anymore mm-hmm. you truly can't just have it be we're going back to the slasher where he's gonna he's a zombie now we are into 1930s Universal Monsters. We're Frankenstein. We're Dracula. We are the Wolfman. This is a supernatural being. And we're going to get into why, I'm, why I love Six is it because I love the Universal Monster movies. And Six is literally with its opening scene where he's trying a foggy night and he's resurrecting a body a la Dr. Frankenstein and Igor. And he stabs the lightning, the stick in him and the lightning shocks him. Paramount says, well, we can't give up on this now. We just made a bunch of money killing off Jason. And all the viewers go... We paid because we wanted to see Jason die. Um, and we get Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning, literally directed by a porn director who cast girls based on their breast sizes and didn't know how to tell the actors how to cut and basically how to do your own thing. And that's why the only reason why I think this movie is slightly enjoyable is because all of the background actors 
get so much free range to do whatever the fuck they want. They're ready to get the girl and you send me this text. It's showtime which yeah. shows her boobs. Because, again, ah. if you're going to show your boobs, you might as well make it fun. You get my favorite sequence, which is the poop and duet. If your favorite part of the series is the goofy side characters, this one has the most. <laughs> the guy riding on his motorbike, Silent Tommy. Um, we, Tommy basically becomes completely useless, but he's meant to be the red herring. What were your guys' thoughts on this one? Because this is definitely the most divisive film in the franchise, if you ask any Friday the 13th fan. Uh, hot garbage. Okay. That's the, that's my thought. I think it's, it was hot garbage, and the ending was like, okay. It's like, I guess Tommy has a knife now, <laughs> and he's he's about to kill somebody, I guess. Yeah. I um, lost interest as soon as the lightning struck. No. That's part did I skip? I messed up my notes. Part five is where it's the copycat killer because the Tommy's in the mental institution and he's the and he. Oh, now see, this is how little impact this. And you get the chocolate one. squeeze yep. kill where the guy goes down some yeah. chocolate and goes fuck you and then kills him <laughs> with an axe. Well, you're not very nice. And also the the blue accented mask, which makes. I mean, it's like it why? Makes sense, because you it, were like, "Wait, what happened to his mask?" And well, I'm like, "Oh, maybe he upgraded." <laughs> well, but that's again, that's what my point. If you're gonna bring in a new mask, they wouldn't have the exact same mask on store shelves with the wedge in the corner, same color markings. I don't mind it being a different mask, but it I also liked is, that touch, right? Because it's a different. Like you shouldn't have that mask on the shelves. But yeah, it is. It is a weird point. We go. That's not Jason. Who is it supposed to be then? So both of you don't like it. Is it because the killer's not Jason? Is it because of the obsessive nudity in it? Is it because of the complete off the wall background character? Like, what is it about this one? Because I will say, a lot of the fans, their only nitpick of this one is that the killer's not Jason. Yeah, I just straight up forgot that this one existed. Okay, like I thought that this movie was genuinely boring that too um and i thought that the like i, I mean I, i'm straining to think of anything remarkable remarkable about this movie and that should that should pretty much tell the story there um just because it, it it seemed like a very a very confused movie that didn't really make a lot of sense especially since I mean, I don't know if even at the even at the time at the time that they knew they would make like a sixth movie. Did they know that they would when they made this? They never knew. Uh, they, I mean, they, again, part four like, was supposed to be the end of it, and then part five they just made it to make money because they made so much that they couldn't say no to the franchise. Yeah. So they they it, they pretty much went by a fly by the seat of your pants style mentality. I mean, I think as a fan of the franchise, I probably would have like if I would have gone to see this in the theaters when it came out, I probably would have been really disappointed with the yeah. outcome. Just because it's like, okay, the my favorite character who's like, you know, I know this about the franchise. It's like people who like Jason, the character, they don't necessarily like, like they kind of, they kind of love him. It's like, it's not yeah. like a, it's not like a, oh, I'm so afraid of him. It's like, I love he him. He becomes a cult hero in yeah. a weird sense. Where that's um, why I said you're actively rooting for him to kill the horrible characters. Yeah. Um, and it's like for him not to be in this movie in any meaningful sense. Is, is a disappointment. Is disappointing. There are some people who love this one because, again, it just completely just goes batshit and he goes, all right, we're going to make this movie crazy because, again, we're a slash movie. We might as well do something fun. But some people also just genuinely hate it, so I understand. But now we are going to get on to, again, what my favorite Friday the 13th movie is. This is Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. 
Uh, this is one that a lot of fans think is their favorite. And as I said before, it's because the franchise finally leans into the idea that we're watching a monster go around kill people. And we're there for the fun, goofy, random characters. And it starts to become more stuff where it's, it kind of becomes scream light. We get to see the Tommy Jarvis trilogy come to an end. You, you're still following a character who you can follow as a hero. We've seen him in two films. So we have a connection there. And you're starting to kind of see this almost boy who cry wolf that Jason's alive. He can't be. He's dead. Um, like horror movie of like, you got to believe me. And then no one believes you until it's too late. That trope. So you both, I get a sense, don't like this movie, which is fine. But I'm interested to hear as to why. It was the lightning bolt. <laughs> well, right. But, and again, as I said before, I think the point of it is to be like, we're going completely batshit. This is Frankenstein. Frankenstein gets brought to life by the doctor raises him up and he waits for lightning to strike at the exact moment that brings the monster's heart back to life. That's how Frankenstein comes to be. But I can also see why that takes you out because it's meant to be like, all right, it's literally the total we're not in Kansas anymore. Like we're not in real life anymore. It's just fucking goofy. But so that took you out of it. Was there any part of the movie then that kind of brought you back in? Or, or were you just kind of like, this is too ridiculous for me the entire time? It was too ridiculous for me. It's okay. just like the, um, the transition from it being, I don't want to say realistic, but it was based in reality to this sudden change. Yeah. I was like, what? It's dark. For why? It just felt tired. Uh, I think that there's something inherently supernatural about the character throughout the entire series because, like, it's kind of not really ever explained. Like, okay, Jason drowned when he was a little boy, but somehow he's this adult right. who is out here killing people. That's never fully explained. I think when it comes to, like, supernatural characters, like, the part that bothered me about this movie is it seemed like Jason didn't always create his own luck, I guess. It's like, if you're a supernatural being... You should probably be able to create your own luck, get yourself out of situations by yourself, not get struck by a bolt of lightning and then be reincarnated, like basically not reincarnated, but reanimated as this super, you know. But, that, but super, that's going to happen. I'm going to say it's also that's the entire franchise. Yes. <laughs> and I think I think I will just say out of all the ways that Jason gets reincarnated, this is probably the most believable, I guess. Can we Okay, let's go through the ways. Fair. The You're next movie, uh, Psychokinetic Teenager Tina, literally just wishes her dad alive and accidentally wishes Jason. Oopsie. Part eight, Oops. we then go to uh, Jason is in the lake. There's two couples on a yacht. Their anchor strikes an electrical cable that hits Jason. So we get literally the both things we just saw. He then melts in a sewer. Then part nine goes, was he dead? Completely foregoes that, and he's just alive. Then he dies. Well, then he, he possessed. He has he to possess. But he has to possess a Voorhees. Yeah. Then you have Jason X, where he falls onto nanotechnology <laughs> to then come back to life. Like so, they're all ridiculous. And here they're saying someone's going to come back to life, but we start to go downhill fast. So I, it, it, I, here's my question for you: Then, do you guys just not like Jason as a zombie? I think so. Okay, that's okay. I like the, the I like the I like horror. I like slasher if it's based somewhat in reality because that's the part that that's scares scary. me the yeah, most. It's grounded in a realism that he could be outside. 
But I saw, you know, zombie Jason. I'm like, okay, whatever. I know zombie Jason is going to come and get me. But, you know, second movie Jason might come get me. So here's my, I guess here's my point and my thought that I'm now I'm kind of bounce off you here. I think it's then just what you're watching this movie series for. Like, what is your outcome? You're looking for it to be scared. Like, you, because you're, you were saying like how much you like Hush and how much you like movies that can actually leave an impact and scare you. Where I think like for myself, I'm looking for it for the ridiculous over the top fun of it because I, I'm not scared by the slasher genre. And I guess that's just kind of where we both differ, which is, like, I think it's interesting. I look at it as, like, oh, this is the most fun because they completely, like, you know what, fuck it, we're just making a movie. You're looking at it as, I want to be scared and this is not scaring me. Mm-hmm. And that's, exactly I think that's interesting, it. though. And, Jamie, where do you fall somewhere in the middle or where do you kind fall? Of, kind of in the middle. Um, I don't mind the zombie Jason. I think that it kind of, it kind of, like, confirms a little bit of what we already sort of knew about the character, which is, like incredible tolerance for pain at very least at the very yeah. least like nothing seems to phase him but you also want some scares in there too yeah this particular zombie doesn't seem to be like hungry for flesh they just seem to continue doing what they did when they were more human but so i'm, I'm gonna um, i want to i want to kind of counteract this point you said that jason's always had this element of supernatural where it takes a lot to take him down yeah so and what's his whole goal for the first four movies or for the first three that he's been in, was what? Kill teens because they were... Having sex. Pre-marital sex. In his way and whatever the case may be. So he comes back to life. The zombies naturally, I guess, will enhance whatever he's got. But he's always had this inherent ability of just taking shots and not going down. So that wouldn't change when he's a zombie, but now it takes more to kill him because he's already dead. Mm -hmm. So you have to kill him in a different way. So you get the element of the death... And this corpse walking around, so you have to kill him in a different way. Added on to his already strength. As you said, zombies have a goal in their mind. His whole goal has always been, I am just killing to kill. I guess where where it loses me a little bit is just that I'm okay with not not having it kind of explained to me why yeah. he has supernatural abilities. Because I think of it kind of like a, in like a cryptozoological way where it's like, okay, Bigfoot. It's like, yeah. we, it's like we could imagine, you know, Bigfoot being this urban, basically this urban legend. Sorry for those who believe in Bigfoot, but it's an urban legend. There's kind of things that are left unexplained. Like, we don't necessarily need to be told, at least I don't need to be told, like, oh, he's actually a zombie because he died. And then he was struck by lightning, which now means that he's a super, yeah. super villain monster dude. Like, I, I was... I was perfectly content with, like, him being kind of, like, a humanoid, like, somehow, basically, his... I mean, even, like, in, like, a supernatural way, I guess, kind of like that, you know, urban legend, myth, like, mythos sort of way where it's like, okay, he's kind of cursed with this supernatural ability, but not, like, he has, you know, been brought back to life either with you know, bolts of lightning or nanotechnology in like, I mean, literally they, in Jason X and we'll get to this, but like in Jason X, they kind of put it straight out in front of, front of everybody where when he comes back to life, he is super, he, he's even he, more of a You super, have an explanation as to know. why he is who yeah. he is. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I want to move forward into those movies because we've kind of, uh, just now gone to a character study of the zombie, which is the next bunch of these movies. Is there anything else you guys want to mention about part six? 
Um, or do you want to keep on going to what I think is probably the, just the sad downfall of this series? Let's keep going to the downfall. Okay, so we watched the next two together. So we watched part seven, The New Blood, which is when they decided they wanted to bring Carrie into the mix and just completely forego a lot of realism altogether. <laughs> Whereas part six had Tommy Jarvis and at least some human elements to it trying to defeat Jason. We now go into Supernatural fighting Supernatural. Um, we still get the horny teens there at the cabin, so we kind of go back to the roots of the original, but we also then completely forego a lot of scares. You guys were bored during this one until <laughs> the final sequences with Kane Hodder getting the shit kicked out of him and the Carrie shit happening, where we were all just kind of cheering for random ass shit to happen and laughing. Where were you guys' thoughts on this one? I just wanted the psychologist to die the whole time. and Yep, the, the really gaslighting of him. Oh my god, I was so angry. The entire time, that's the only thing I could think about, is when is this man going to die? How is he going to die? I hope it's brutal. I also <laughs> said that if you played a drink game of drink whenever they enter the woods, you'd be shit-faced by halfway through as well, because this one is just run through the woods. But yeah, they, they truly do create a despicable character. Um, that's not Jason. That you're act- I think this is the first time you're actively rooting for a character to die. Mm-hmm. Shelly's annoying, but you're never like rooting for him actively to get killed. Like he doesn't do anything ever egregious, besides calling her a bitch for rejecting him. But like he doesn't do anything like criminally or like as fucked up as the psychologist does in this one. And I, yeah, I, yeah. And again, I think he does get the one of the most brutal kills because he's the only time that Jason ever uses a power tool. But another issue with this film is that they forego all the gore because this was cut down by the MPAA. Uh, it was kind of a snoozer. Term it that. Although I, I didn't find myself to like not enjoy it. I thought that the, I thought that the kind of like Carrie ripoff portion of the movie was a choice. <laughs> it was it was interesting in that like seeing it for the first time, like this movie. It was it was enjoyable, kind of just because of the unpredictability of you know what the psychokinesis will will end up doing or what part that will play in the movie. I thought it was kind of corny, the fact that like okay she was trying to bring back her dad and brought back Jason on accident, and then it ended in an obnoxious way where dad comes out of the the lake and mud man yeah takes down Jason and it's like okay that was really lazy. They were just like how are we gonna kill him. It's like, is Jason really going to drown? Is that is that going to get him again? Like, he's a zombie now. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean... Whereas the last movie, he breaks his neck and dies yeah. again. In the next movie, he melts in fucking radioactive waste that floods the sewers. That's totally there in New York totally City. Totally in New York City. I kind of enjoyed the carry aspect of it. I think it's because it was psychological. Again, it was something that I couldn't predict... Through the actual actions of the characters, there was something else going on there. And as shitty as the psychologist was, I was interested to see where his gaslighting was going. The ending, it was just the sloppy writing. Because if he's already theoretically in the lake, and she can already control her powers towards, you know, a good chunk of the movie, then he should just come out the first time. Yeah. Where I think if you're looking back on this series, parts two... Four and six have what I would consider the best writing of the franchise. And also the, the new one, the the remake. This one maybe has some of the worst because, yeah, they just expect you to be like, oh, I guess that does it um, without any explanation. 
and doesn't really rely on any sort of interesting character beats to actually make you invested in what's happening. This one, I yeah, they, they try to sparse up with Carrie, and I think you can enjoy the last 20 minutes where you do have Kane Hodder, who I think is everybody's favorite Jason. I know Ted White gets a lot of love. That's pretty much the only part that I find myself watching is once the psychokinetic teenager gets in a battle where she throws her friend's um, cut-off head to headbutt Jason, and then Kane Hodder literally has a roof fall on him, and he literally gets set on fire for the longest fire stunt at its time. Like, that stuff's fun, but that's about it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and if you hadn't pointed those specific stunts out, I would have been like, okay, yeah, whatever, the roof fell. But the fact that the ac- the actor actually was, you know, casually lit on fire, casually had a roof fall on him, it mm. added to that. But that's only because That's the Kane Hodder that. difference. <laughs> this might be my favorite looking Jason. Mm-hmm, I agree. Because he's decomposed, you see his spine, you see the gnarliness of his face when his mask comes off. Which is your favorite looking Jason? This one. This is your favorite? Yep. Okay, so we all agree. This did is, it for me. Is there a, a least favorite looking Jason you can think about? Uber Jason. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of the movie that it reminded me of, but it reminded me of some some movie I've seen before that was in like the, I guess, period correct, early 2000s, like space. Like it was like, I, yeah. I, I it was some sort of space themed movie and I was just like, okay. Okay, fair. What about you? Do you... Yeah, it was either our cyborg friend, Jason, or paper sack Jason. Just because that's not the Jason I was familiar with. Okay. I mean, it was fine for what I was doing. I was going to say, a lot of people love sack Jason just because it's... It's it's, it's one of those ones where, like, you think it stands out. Like, a lot of those Jasons fall into the background. And that one is like, when you see sack Jason, I'm watching part two. Um, But that's interesting, though, that you say that. Um, but that makes total sense. I didn't dislike it. It's just I prefer the mask, the hockey mask. Yeah, that's what you think of when you think Jason. You think it's hockey like War Association. Yeah, but yeah, Iron Man cousin look was not not it for <laughs> me. Yeah, that's actually a fun way to put it too. Next, if you didn't get enough water from this one, then we have the movie for you because Jason decides that he needs a vacation. He can't be at Crystal Lake anymore, so he. Lonely Island's the fuck out of this lifestyle, <laughs> and he's on a boat. And on a boat he is until, and we actually played this game, I paused the film, and I said, what time is it in the movie? And you guys both got it wrong. We were an hour and four minutes in, um, and that was when they finally saw the Statue of Liberty um, in this hour and 40 minute movie. This is a lot of people's least favorite it took all of the worst elements of Back to the Future Part 2 and made it a movie on a boat with Jason Voorhees. I also, like, as somebody who, like, like I'm kind of a nerd about geography and, you know, scenery and stuff like that. You with, called this out many times, yeah. what you're going to say. It's like, okay, New Jersey, which is where the franchise takes the franchise place. Takes place. Uh, there are no mountains, like the ones we see in this movie near the body of water that we're supposed to be on in New Jersey. It took, it really was kind of like the, the, the epic conclusion to eighties campiness in a movie. This is the last movie Um, in the eighties as well, which is kind of an ironic twist too. And, and just like the mindless droning of the plot and also, the fact that they 
they seem to have a plan initially when they were when they were coming up with this movie to make it two movies. One yeah. on a cruise ship yeah. and the other in Manhattan. And because for whatever reason, was it because of the money? Money. Well, yes. But wasn't it the end of the Paramount days? Was Paramount, last... yes. Paramount was losing the rights to the film because yeah. it was a 10 year contract and they didn't want to buy. That's why New Line gets the rights yeah. to the film and they made Jason Goes to Hell. And it was also just creative differences across the entire board and they had to yeah. crunch it all down. Jason was supposed to be on the Empire State Building, Jason was supposed to jump off of the Statue of Liberty. He was supposed to have a boxing match at Madison Square Garden. There were a lot of things that Jason was supposed to do in New York that they couldn't do because of budgetary restrictions and filming dates. I'm sure you would have loved to have seen Jason show up to a Yankees game and just obliterate the New York Yankees. But, okay, but I would, not only because I'm a Red Sox fan, but because, again, if he's going to go to New York, make him go to New York. Yeah, Let's New fucking York go. Things. Put him on Broadway. Let's have him do things. And again, this is 80s New York where it is sleazy, gross New York. I don't remember there being just fucking casual vats of acid around and like uh, the the sewer floods with toxic waste every night. Uh, luckily, this man's just down there two minutes before it's supposed to blow. This movie is a slog because it takes so long for him to get to Manhattan and truly doesn't even utilize the Manhattan of the taking of Manhattan. The Muppets did it better. This movie is a Muppet. <laughs> yes. He turns into a Muppet. Now, Morgan, you've been silent for this whole time, and you did say that it was boring. I was just... That's it. I was bored. But that's... A, yeah, but it, that's that's the ultimate sin this series can commit, where it's not scary, and it's not even fun, I think. Is that right? Is that they fun? were on a boat, and then they were in a sewer, and then the movie ended. There was some heroin mixed in there for a little bit. Because that's what heroin junkies would do in the 80s. Share it. Yeah. Exactly. And that much. They wasted so much when they're getting the air bubbles I love that out. he yeah, he squirts it up in the air. Do you know how expensive that probably was? It's little things like that where it's like, what are we doing, movie? We then also get our second most despicable character. If we didn't like the psychiatrist from the the last movie, we now get her uncle who is like trying to push her in the water to try to swim and he's a complete prick in his suit and he gets drowned in a bucket with a rat in it. Not gonna lie, I kind of liked that. But again, I was really sad the rat died, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> at first we you see, see the rat, swimming. and he was swimming. He was having a good time, just a little bath, just a little guy. Now he's dead, and this man is invading his gravesite. <laughs> yes, that's the concern of this one. Jason then reverts to being a child after the sewer waste eats him. He falls into a little baby and curled up on the ground, and then dissolves into nothingness. We don't get any of the baby and child Jason stuff explained when there's four different Jasons that we see, all different varying children. Wasn't one Asian? Was that this one? Yes. Yeah. Yep. One of them looks like he's from Asian descent for some random reason. One is shivering cold, covered in Nickelodeon slime. But we are going to move on to, if you wanted to go batshit, we're going batshit. We have Jason. He's now a slug. And the FBI has blown him to shit in a Spy 90 sequence. Jason's slugging around, taking over people's bodies, and then we get Creighton Duke being like, I can tell you how to fix this. Breaks <laughs> your fingers for payment. You gotta get a dagger and stab a Voorhees and send him to hell. And, yep. I want to know how he figured that out. Was it some untold they prophecy? They do not explain. 
this movie... Also, I want to say real quick, their body language is just complete disinterest, which is important to these later episodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, this, this movie... This movie... <laughs> this movie was, was just about as enjoyable as what just happened outside of our, of our window here, which is a unwanted car alarm going off constantly. And basically, you have no idea when the car alarm is going to stop going off because the entire movie is about as enjoyable as that experience and you just want it to be over. I just, I don't understand, again, like, Creighton, what's his face? Creighton Duke. Creighton Duke. I don't understand how he knows anything about Jason. That's never explained. I feel like they, they could have literally just thrown in a line saying, like, oh, well... I was here when so-and-so, like, whatever. They just didn't even bother. Can I tell you how you do it? With that. All you do is you have Creighton Duke be the uncle or the brother of one of the people that was killed in the previous movies, like you had in part yeah. four, and you have the new remake. And ever since that day, he knew a Jason Killer, so he studied up on Jason and found everything he could find about Jason and reincarnation and studied it and said, this is the way to do it. A Kandarian dagger. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. I, I, I think that it, it could have been done more creatively and and to to the benefit of the plot you could have even said like i've studied up on incidences of this happening throughout history it's like this isn't the first time something like this has happened oh that would have been cool um, actually like a like a yeah. it pennywise type situation yeah. where he's been taking over bodies okay yeah because that's how he lived yeah. in the lake because he's a slug that took over another body right and it's like you could even say like th- this is not of this world this is like an a- an alien some sort of thing like like I'm not I'm not the one who wrote the freaking movie. If I if I did, I probably would have made it better. That's not a flex, that's just the truth. Yeah. Um I was kind of like there there's a lot of like gross out stuff in this movie and I that's just not really my cup of tea. It doesn't you, really you like You don't like body horror or yeah. something like that? Yeah. It's like I don't you know necessarily get totally turned off by it. It typically doesn't bother me all that much, but like within the context of these movies, I'm just like this is not your thing. It's like, definitely kinda, out of place. You know, it's like, what's what's the point of bringing it in now? Uh, when new, it, has it was a, a new, it was a new line cinema. Hilarious enough, a new production company, yeah. a new direction, new everything. So they wanted to go nineties. Body horror was a thing that was coming in. You had Cronenberg making films, The Fly, Scanners. You had movies that were focusing on. The grotesqueness of horror, because we now have the skills and the CG, not CG, we technically do, but the effects to be able to do that at yeah. a higher level. But you're right, it's completely out of place. Yeah. Morgan, where are you at with this one? I enjoyed the storyline of the dad coming back to fight for the woman that he loves and his baby. I did like that. I'm a sucker for that kind of storyline as a secondary Because you like the heroes thing. you mentioned earlier. I do like the heroes, yeah. And, I don't know, the rest of it, like you guys mentioned, just this miscellaneous bounty hunter just kind of coming in, just casually knowing everything. He wasn't even, like, a harbinger, where it's like, he's funny and knows everything. He's just sarcastic. He's, he's just, just there, breaking fingers. The, my least favorite line in this movie is when he says, she goes, what do you think of when I say the word Jason Voorhees? He goes, little girl in a fairly wide dress, pushing a hot dog through a donut. Like, what the fuck does that, like, talk about bad screaming, what does that mean? Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I what don't want to know. Wait, what are we fucking talking about? That right there sums up this movie, which is like, we don't really know what it's supposed to mean, 
But you can think of something stupid. Like, it's just dumb. This movie's dumb. Yeah. And it's one of the more forgettable ones. This is my least favorite. Just, I don't mind movies take risks. This one takes too many. And it, it strays away too much from the Friday the 13th. Where if you didn't tell me this was a Friday the 13th movie, I wouldn't know. Like it Because he doesn't even look like Jason Voorhees. He has like his mask molded into his face for some reason. It's a mess. Any last minute comments before we go on to the final two? It just reminded me of Supernatural because I have Supernatural on the mo- like the TV I show. I wonder why you have it on. I my mind. wonder why I have it on my mind, but um, no, it just reminded me of something that Dean and Sam would do in that, where they have they're fighting the angels and the demons, and they need this one specific dagger to strike yeah. at the specific place. I don't know, just the Voorhees thing out of the blue. I thought we already did that with the mom, like. Yeah. And then we say, fuck it, let's make a complete joke in the jokiest sense. We're joining two previous franchises. We're joining Hellraiser, or three, Hellraiser, Critters, and the Leprechaun, because Jason's going to space. Yes, all three of those franchises have gone to space. I do one day want to make a a best of bracket, or not bracket, but a, a ranked episode of let's rank horror characters in space. It's like the water level. In games. It is. You have to go to space. You have to go to space. I will say, Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers do not go to space. Lame. Uh, Scream also does not go to space. Lame. Yeah. So. That's why those movies just weren't good at all. It's yeah. It's, Hellraiser 3. Yeah. Everybody loves Hellraiser when they go to space. And I, we, rec- me and Liz have covered Leprechaun 4 in space on the podcast. And it was a shit show. But, Jason now... Goes to space. We talked about David Cronenberg earlier. He is in this briefly saying, Jason has regenerative abilities. He can come back to life. And we need to study him because that's something that the government oh, would do. Oh, it's that guy. That's David Cronenberg. Wow. And the only reason why he gets a famous a kill by getting like a spear thrown through him is because he's David Cronenberg. He gets sent to space, sent to the future, and is awoken because two people have sex. And you guys didn't respond to me when I said this. But you said earlier my favorite kill probably is the wheelchair kill, and that might be up there. But everyone's favorite number one kill is liquid yeah, nitrogen. nitrogen. Woo! <laughs> I love that kill. It's one of the most creative and actually scary kills of the franchise. Her face gets frozen, and he smashes it to bits. Morgan, because you don't like the funky, goofy ones. You've already kind of stated that. This one is not scary at all. No. And it's completely batched off to walk crazy. Did, where were you at with this one? I enjoyed the beginning part where it was the hypothetical they're researching Jason. I'm like, you know what? Like you said, that is something the government would do. That it kind of going into the realist side of things, which is what I have the tendency to enjoy more. I was like, okay, yeah, I get that. And I liked the, uh, she can't remember her name, the female lead. Rowan. Yep. I enjoyed her. I thought she was pretty cool. Um, But yeah, as soon as they got to space, I was like, is this Doctor Who in Star Trek? And I enjoyed Doctor Who, but that's because it was supposed to be... Campy and goofy. The fantastical, like, that's not real, but this... I don't know. It was the transition. That's why I didn't like the second half of this entire movie series, is because... No, but that's fair. Lack of realism. You don't like the movies that aren't realistic, which is fine. That you want more realistic horror, and that's that's perfectly understandable. 
Did you have more fun watching this because it's just a complete shit show? Or did were you just checked out the whole time? I was a little checked out, but it also was late at night. My jaw actually dropped for like a good two minutes after he shattered her face. I was like, holy God. That's it is, It's terrifying. Like, where did that come out of in someone's brain? They went, mm, make the frozen face explode everywhere. That was kind of cool it. in a very twisted way. But after that point, I was like... Uber Jason is not your thing? No. Jamie, Uber Jason, Jason X, you said you liked this one. Why did you conversely enjoy this movie? Because the movies preceding this were absolutely... Dog shit. Dog shit, horrible, boring, terrible, no good, very bad. And... They had a lot of these elements of just, like, kind of off-the-wall, insane, you know, whatever idea sticks, we're going to go with it. And then they finally gave in to what they were already telling themselves. And by they, I mean the filmmakers, where it's like, how about we just send send them to space? Because maybe some of the stuff that we're doing might make a little bit more sense when we're in space. Everyone thinks we're a joke. Let's just make ourselves a complete joke. And... I, my my favorite character was the cyborg. Like, what was her name? K the K K. K. Um, and I think it was because I found this to be hilarious for whatever reason. But when she got her head chopped off, and I thought she was dead, I was like, okay, of course they killed her off. My favorite character in this entire movie, the one with the most redeeming qualities. But she was still alive because she, her head is an android. Um, concerned that she doesn't have any nipples. That, so that part was also very compelling. Man makes Um, sex for a lot. (laughs) No, it, but like stuff like that was, that is where the movie became kind of self-aware and that it's like, okay, the trope is, is that we have to have boobies in every movie. But in this movie, they're fake boobies, but not, not like fake as in plastic surgery. They're legitimately literally fake. fake. So... That is that is kind of a, a perfect encapsulation of why I liked this movie because it was unapologetically insane, and I think for horror movies, if you are unapologetic about what you are, I think that you make a more compelling product at the end of the day. I really like that phrasing. I think it's a, it's an idea of authenticity. You're just you're doing it, and you're kind of just giving into it and making. What you know you're making. You're not trying to make something. You're not trying to make Space Jason scary. Like, you know, inadvertently deep down, he's not. But that's the point. You're like, fuck, I'm just going to watch this dude punch a girl's head off and wake up because people had sex in the boat. On the boat Spidey of the ship. sense. He spice and sex. <laughs> and Sergeant Brodsky rides him down like an asteroid and they kiss because there's a shooting star. And he, <laughs> he hilariously lands in Crystal Lake again. And on Earth to Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> exactly. It's so ridiculously bad. I love this one just because, again, we just go, f- fuck it. We're going to have a ton of fun. But Morgan, I want to say too, there are so many people that agree with your point. Where this is just like, it's so off the wall batshit that it's not even valid of being a Friday the 13th movie. That's why it doesn't even have Friday the 13th in the title. It's just Jason X. It's so bad. It's just a bastardization of a horror movie. And it's not even worth watching. And you're shaking your head in agreeing because I'm assuming that's how you feel about this. Yes. Yeah. That's which is why fine. I could watch it at night alone because I knew there was like, not that the other ones were scary, but there were a couple of jump scares that got me. 
This one, I came in knowing I would be fine going to sleep immediately after. Yes. It lulled me to sleep. Now, I want to get to what I think is the... I mean, that's, that ends the original series of Jason. That is kind of his entire arc. We did not cover Fr- uh, Freddy versus Jason, and that's okay. Um, you can go back and listen to the uh, Ranked Friday the 13th and Rank the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise to hear Steven and I and Liz and I talk about those movies, or that movie, twice. Um, I think that one, always, I'll just say real quick for listeners who are curious about it, I think it falls directly in the middle. What I said I really appreciate is that after watching the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and the Friday the 13th franchise, that movie truly does try to feel like both movies are in one because they both have different feels and it definitely tries to make it feel like you're watching both franchises when you have those characters on screen. We are ending it with the remake, 2009's Friday the 13th, where we truly took this series and decided that we had to give it the modernized reboot, which means lens flares, which means way more titties, (laughs) which means super gory kills. If you're talking about the, uh, I said Gory's in the franchise being part four, this is the one that is up there with it. Uh, genuine jump scares and everything in uh, sepia-toned browns and yellows across the screen. This movie, is, I've never seen this in the theater. Um, genuinely a scary film, in my opinion, in the series. Morgan, for the person who gets scared probably the easiest in this room, what was your opinion of this one? I liked it a lot, and I think it. I was biased towards liking it because as soon as Jared I saw Padalecki. Jared Padalecki in there, I was like, "Oh, baby, come on home!" I was so happy. Do you know where he's from, Jamie? I don't know who that Supernatural. is. Supernatural. Oh. He's Sam Winchester. Oh. I love that show more than life itself. And I saw him in there, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And after I recognize, but also I just enjoy the way he acts and this kind of thing, which is why I like Supernatural so much. But Whatever. I enjoyed the way it was shot because it was, you know, more modern. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not a fan of the 80s, yeah, the way it... that that was just kind of shot in general. Not just the quality, but the way that they went about producing and shooting movies. I liked the fact that it was so gory and so scary and it wasn't just a reboot that just shat on the entire franchise before. I thought it added a little... A little something. I thought it was weird that Jason randomly had a lair and held a hostage. Where did that come from? He okay, so but he also had a so he had a home in the original films, obviously, and he is lives out here in Crystal Lake, right? So he could hypothetically, he's just this one's a hunter and a scavenger because he did he was alive when his mom got killed. We see that in the beginning. So he's been living on his own off the land. So he's had years to develop this. And system of tunnels and things and that's true. I guess it just took me by surprise. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it just a twist. Came out of the blue, as opposed to you know just seeing him out in the woods in the rain. And the reason why he's a hostage is because he's the Phantom of the Opera. He confirmed, is. he is. But <laughs> it it's reflective of his altar of his mother, and he pays homage to her, and he has the mind of a child who thinks she's alive. He thinks that this woman is his mother because she looks just like the, uh, him in the necklace that he has of her. So. It, it, they, they try to at least establish some realism into why he's doing the things he's doing, which I think adds to the scariness of it because we have no idea what this man's thinking. We can't really reason with this guy. He's way quicker, way faster, and he has no fucking mercy in this one. 
I think of that whole entire cold open when we before we get the talk card where he lights the girl on fire, mm-hmm. hangs her over the uh, tree in the fire, and she burns alive as a corpse in the second sleeping bag kill. Bear traps a dude and plants a machete halfway through his face. Like, it's gnarly. And I think it perfectly establishes what this movie is going to be. It took me... So, the one kill that really stuck out to me, even though it was probably one of the least gory ones in this, was when the guy and the girl were on the boat. He was driving, she was water skiing, and he just shoots a fucking arrow. Where did that come from? But, that made me jump. But that's what's scary, is that he's always watching. I That's the part that I, I really liked that, because yes, the gore... We know Jason can, you know, really dismantle a person when he wants to, but that just, even just the accuracy from that far away is something that was like, ooh, spooky. Yeah. Well, I wanted to read one of the texts that I sent you last night, and actually I sent you a couple. Um, so, because this movie was made in collaboration with, I believe, Michael Bay's studio, right? Or, or a group of some sort. You can see the lens flare. It's pretty apparent. It looks like Transformers, except it's a it's a horror movie. Like with the way that it the way that it's filmed. I said, uh, "Holy cargo shorts." That that really kind of exemplifies the the two thousand nine ness of this movie. And I mean, the guy who got shot in the face with the arrow. I'm pretty sure he was the one wearing cargo shorts. So I think he may have had it coming. Morgan. I don't um, disagree. <laughs> but, How much cargo do you have in those shorts, my friend? <laughs> More than two. Way too much cargo. Um, and, and they were also camouflage cargo shorts, so it really was. It really was the whole the whole nine. Um, I I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was really the the most genuinely scary movie in the in the series, and I think that the the modern editing and modern effects really added to that the way that they could design the the sound um to uh you know basically heighten certain moments whereas you know before it's kind of like a a really grainy sounding orchestra sting like sting that's like trying to you know sparse fear yeah yeah. so this movie you know was was relentless um it was a little bit confusing when Jason was so brutal, but also took a captive, even though it was explained a little bit by the locket and whatnot, but still, I, I was kind of thinking, like, did he not, like, did he not kill people as soon as he found out that they weren't his mom? You know, like, <laughs> that. I feel like that's happened in this series before, which I, I mean, it's definitely uh, happened. So, I, I mean, I, I thought that overall, it was nice to see kind of a, a a fusion of a lot of the different parts of the series in general where you had you know kind of the you know summer camp counselory like start in a way um and then you had the home invasion part with you know kind of bringing back to uh to uh part four part four um so and all and also on top of that you got you kind of got to see uh, the bat, the the bag, Jason, and then also when he gets his mask in this in this version, which I guess in a way makes this movie a little bit like in terms of a timeline, like it's one through four like, summarized together, yeah. which is I think why you like it so much is because it's all of your favorites of the bunch 
combined into one fantastical package. That is why it is my favorite one. I was going to say your favorite. And then Jared Padalecki is cherry yes. on top. That man is a babe. <laughs> yeah, he's a good-looking man. Uh, I do love the subversion kill when he's cr- they're all crawling through the tunnels and she gets to the end of the tunnel and gets stabbed directly through the chest and gets pulled back. Like, I think this movie does a lot of great subversions like that. And I think it is generally the most scary. This is easily in my top three as well. And a glowing reasoning as to why fans want this series to continue on in some sense of the word. We're getting new additions to all the franchises, both good and bad. Nightmare on Elm Street had one of the worst remakes that you'll ever see. (laughs) Uh, Leatherface had a couple different editions. His remake with Jessica Biel was seen as a good take. And then this most recent movie was not. Halloween has come back with Michael Myers. I think it's time for Freddy or not Freddy, Freddy for, Fazbear. Yeah, Freddy Fazbear. It's time. <laughs> it's time for Friday the Thirteenth and Jason Voorhees to come back. I think this movie is a perfect summation of like what you can do with credible directors behind there and quality screenwriting and genuine scares and actual gore and actual suspense and someone who actually understands the character as a whole that he's not just you know i'm just going to kill counselor for this like there's actual reasoning behind things that he's doing and there's actual characters that you're watching on screen he's looking for a sister because she's been missing that was my favorite part of this is the fact that it had an actual storyline he had a reason for being there he wasn't mm-hmm. just there yeah the I forget what the blonde kid's name was in the movie. The dick. It's probably yes. Chad if I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> so what's his face? The one the the one whose dad owns the property that they stay on. Yeah. I thought that the kind of like the over the overdone anger at this guy, like he I mean like he had a confrontation with him at the gas station, right? Yeah. And then, you know, now he's like wondering you know, why, who is this guy? Like, what is his problem? And it's like, I feel like no matter, no matter what happens between you and another person, if somebody's coming to you and saying, I have a missing person, you know, on my mind right now, or I have a missing person that I need help finding. I don't think that any normal person, again, normal person's response would be, oh, I'm just going to continue beefing with you about some, some random thing that happened. Like, that part, to me, was just kind of like, you're just trying to make him more, like, inauthentically unappealing. That's you know? the point of the character. It's a, it's a mid-2000s trope where a lot of things need to be mean-spirited. One of the reasons yeah. why I hate mid-2000s films, and especially mid-2000s comedies, where everything is mean-spirited at someone. And this one just takes that character and is just like, yeah, I, I'm mad at you because... We're in this edgy time, and it's yeah. cool to be a douchebag. It's like Mean Girls. It, well, at least Mean Girls is actually funny and subversive. This dude is just a prick to be a prick, and that's just that was just a thing of the time. Again, it's one of those characters that you just want to see him get killed. That's the only reason why he's there. Everyone else, I feel like, is good in heart in a sense, and he's the only one where you want to see him get killed. Come out of time. <laughs> Would watch again. Okay, so now we'll get to this point where we will do... Uh, what I will be calling our closing remarks. What I mean with this, I will literally put a minute on the timer. And I want each of you to basically just give me your final summation of... I'll give you... For other movies when we do this, we'll do a minute. So you can actually quickly get a quick synopsis. But since we're doing a whole series, I'll give you a minute and a half 
maybe two minutes if I'm feeling lucky. Your first thoughts, your final thoughts, just anything else you have about this series that you feel like. Um, final, I guess I'll start with the final ranking. My favorite movie was part two. My second favorite movie was part four. My third favorite movie, totally, probably subverting some people's expectations here, but Jason X was my third favorite movie because of how insane it was. Because we had had to, had to basically wade through just a ton of crap and then you get to kind of this oasis of absolute insanity in Jason X. And... I think that maybe because I had to watch so many of these things in a row, I enjoyed Jason X so much because, like, it just it just was such a, a different and refreshing movie that was memorable. And I think maybe the mem- <laughs> the 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 uh, the notability of it <clears throat> may may be why it's so high on my list. My least favorite movie of all these was Jason Goes to Hell. And then kind of like shortly followed up, like Takes Manhattan probably is the second least favorite. But I mean, overall, I can understand why this like this whole series is so popular. I think that like the the mystique and mystery of Jason and, you know, the fact that he is different in every basically every single movie kind of like adds to that mysticism and that mystery of like who this masked thing is and you know, what are their motivations? Um, they kind of seem to change, which I feel like kind of exemplifies like evil, evil people and evil things in this world. It's like, nobody's hundred percent consistent all the time. Like if you, if you are an evil person, you're not always committing evil acts for the same reason every single time. That's what, that's part of what makes it so horrifying. So. All right. Two minutes and four seconds. Um, but I think that's a good summation of the franchise. Uh, so you, would you say you're a fan of the franchise, fan of certain movies, or not going to watch them again? I'd say I'm. I'd say I'm a fan of it. I think that like the the character of Jason Voorhees in particular is is one that it's interesting and captivating for uh, multiple different reasons and in mul- multiple different ways in in different portrayals. And I think that's kind of like what what really you know, you should look for, I guess, if you're looking for a, a character that has staying power, it should be one that can be, um, you know, remain popular through multiple different adaptations through good and bad movies. All right. Morgan, I guess, we'll, uh, I guess Jamie kind of gave us the framework of how you can kind of do this. If you want to give me your favorites, your least favorite, and then a summation, and then, yeah, at the end, just say kind of where you fall on that. If you were a fan of the franchise... If you feel like you'd watch maybe some of them again or like them, or if you would just say, like, I'm not a fan. Kind of, yeah, where are your thoughts at? So Friday the 13th, the 2009 absolute favorite. I thought, like we said, it encapsulated all my favorite parts from the movies, combined them into one with the modern, you know, way that we film movies now. And I liked the way that they did the score this time because the shrieking strings are very old school to me. Mm -hmm. And I liked the updated version of it. I just like that kind of soundtrack for a movie. Fourth one was my third favorite, and then the second, my second favorite. Okay. Um, just because, again, it had those different elements of the psychological, the actual like unique parts of the story that I thought really helped build 
to the overall series, and then everything after four until the last one is one big blur to me. So, okay, so because of the fantastical element. Was there one that stood out as your least favorite overall? That was Manhattan. Manhattan. Why? Nope, did not need to exist. Okay. I will say, having watched Freddy vs. Jason made me appreciate Jason more as a character. Because seeing him as his own standalone goofy... To me, he became goofy at the end because of, you know, the lightning and the nanotechnology. Seeing him absolutely wail and beat the fucking shit out of this nightmare creature made me appreciate how brutal he is. Yeah. Because... Freddy isn't technically real. He's like a phantom, isn't he, from my understanding? I'm not going to say anything about okay, him, basically. Cool. But, so in the end, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about I'll confirm your theories after so Jamie can be surprised. Um, but. Yes, so Freddy not being, whatever. Freddy being Freddy and being something that operates through dreams. And then Jason physically wailing on something that doesn't technically exist in some span of the movie um it's fascinating to me and it made me really appreciate like i said how brutal jason is and how creative he is in beating the shit out of his opponents okay so as the franchise as a whole what are your kind of some so you like you as you've said before you clearly like the more realistic takes you can appreciate the Jason character, as you've kind of just mm-hmm. summarized from that. Um, but I take it that you're not really a fan of the series as a whole, if that's kind of fair to say. I would say, as a whole lump sum, I would say I enjoy it. I would not watch some of the movies unless I was drunk. I think having to watch them in a short span of time didn't let me appreciate them enough because I was just like, we just saw this exact same thing happen. Welcome Last to the night. life of myself, and I have to watch all 27 Bond movies, and all 8 Harry Potter movies, and all the Star I Wars movies. I would lose my mind. I, I would watch... not be able to keep anything in order. But, I, and I, I do apologize for making y'all bum-rush through these. I do appreciate you both bum-rushing through these, and I can promise you that I don't think there's ever going to be a moment where you have to do that ever again. But, unless we want to. Unless you want to. <laughs> and I, what was fine to me is that, like, I could tell when you both, from again, from my standpoint, I love this franchise because I've seen it countless amounts of times. I grew up watching the uh, part two and part three religiously because that's the two we had on DVD. I watched the other ones in college and just fell in love with this crazy character and started to appreciate the complete madness after watching a lot more horror movies. And just seeing them again, you pick the parts you like and you wait for the killers and you get excited about them. I could tell from an outside perspective when you both were excited and when you were both just defeated. Where you, just like fans of the series, had a burnout at the exact moments that everyone else did. It was interesting. So I'm I'm glad you guys did this. I hope you guys aren't mad at me for making you watch all these. And I hope you generally had a good time, at least for portions of these. And I thank you both for not only, A, finishing them, B, just starting them in the first place. I did not expect you, I said Watch Fire 13, to actually pick them up. But well, it was great for the culture, honestly, because I would have never taken the initiative myself to be like, let's just go watch some oh. horror movies that are kind of classic. Yeah. Like, no. you mentioned all these, like, 
you said something about a fly, and I don't know. Oh, you guys will watch day. Uh, you will watch the fly starring Jeff Goldblum and Gene Davis. No, I have not heard of half of those of what you've said. But that's I think that's the beauty of horror is and in movies in general. We've talked about this. That's right. That's what the point of these episodes is going to be. And this is a perfect way to wrap it up. Is I think there's so many opportunities out there for movies. You both are fairly novices in regards to film. That's okay. Oh, 100%. Once you start getting into a genre, you can explore and learn the genre. And ironically enough, the reason why I started this podcast is I was on Natalie's podcast a long time ago discussing why horror doesn't get enough recognition in modern society and is thought of as a joke and a trope because people think of slasher movies. But there are these wonderful, beautiful stories that can be told. So thank you both. I appreciate you both. Happy birthday again. When I come back, we will do something. Thank you, listener, for listening. I hope you're celebrating Friday the 13th by watching it Friday the 13th. Y'all know the drill as always. Unlike Jason, you can be kind. And he can probably rewind. Intro song from YouTube Audio Library by DJ Williams. Audio recordings by Clean Feed. Logo created by David Lucas. Purring by storm.